Greetings, troubled listeners, and welcome back to the Troubled Men Podcast. I am Renee Coleman, sitting in my safe house, on the line with my co-host, the original troubled man for troubled times, and future mayor of New Orleans, Mr. Manny Chevrolet. Welcome, Manny. Hey, what's going on with you? Oh, not too much. Man, you sound raring to go, Manny. Uh, I'm in pain right now. I'm in a lot of really? pain, so I'm screaming. I'm screaming. <laughs> yeah, I'm having neck problems again. So Again? I'm, yeah, I'm having so... neck problems, and it's, it's, it's not good. Uh, and I'm, I, I have to wait like another week to see some kind of uh, specialist. Huh. So, uh, yeah, so if I scream, it's because I'm not excited or uh, uh, happy. It's because I'm in pain. Okay. All okay. right. Well, <laughs> all right, we'll, we'll keep, keep yeah. that in mind. <laughs> yeah. So if um, I say, um, hey, it's great to see you. It's because <laughs> I'm not really happy it's, to see you. I was just that I'm in pain and that gets some relief. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. Well, so and you, you have to, you had to go back to, to. I mean, you've been at work, but uh, the y- your work is really ramping up right now. So well, it's, school's it's, starting. It's, the school's starting at the big campus, and uh, mm-hmm. and uh, they're they're going all out. And uh, it's funny how I think we've talked about this the last few weeks or whatever. How they're doing everything. Every precaution is taking place to uh, make sure all these incoming students from all over the world are protected and uh-huh. stuff like that and they have they've built new classrooms to separate people new dining halls to separate people but um so it's all happened it's been happening like for the last four or five days that they're all starting to come in and move in and with all the precautions that were taken there's nobody to monitor it you know you think you'd have people like monitoring how many people come into this space, how many people come into that space, how come into the food court, come into a, you know, right. there's nobody monitoring it. It's just like wing it, you know? Huh. So they're, ba- they're basically putting a lot of responsibility on the uh, student themselves to uh, wear their mask and to separate. But I've been on campus all week and I don't see it happening at all. I don't see it happening at all. Well, well, I, I saw there was a survey among the faculty that was in the newspaper today saying, uh, and among the people that responded, like 60% of the faculty said they did not feel comfortable. Oh, uh, yeah. No, I, I see. I talked to a lot of faculty. You know, I, that's who I talked to mostly. And, and uh, a lot of misinformation and a lot of them uh, very, like, uh, not pleased with having uh, to do all this and stuff. Some of them are okay, though, because um, some of them can teach from home, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. But we'll see what happens. I mean, it's a, chem- it's a, it's a, it's a science experiment. It's a chemistry. Experiment. We'll see what happens. Right, right, right. Um, we're, we're beta testing among the population. I mean, because you've got to remember, you've got uh, a lot of people coming from hot spots, you know, from mm-hmm. New York, California, Texas, Florida. These are right. a lot of the clientele that this uh, t- the university uh, gets are from places like that. These yes. are the kids, the kids who can't get into an Ivy League school, so they come down here thinking that it's Ivy League of the South, you know that kind of right, thing. right, right, right. You know. Uh, well, huh. we'll we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. It's all it's all ramping up to there. Um, well, you yeah. know something that that we missed a few weeks ago to, to is uh, you know the the passing of Wilford Brimley. 
Did you see that? Yeah, I know. He's my friend. Wilford was that's, my friend. That's what I thought. Didn't he come up on the podcast? Didn't somebody have a Wilford Brimley story? I did. I did. You did. I, okay. I had a Wilford Brimley story a long time ago when I used to, when we first started the show and I had that Hollywood story segment. Right. You know, which I don't do much anymore. Um, but yeah, Wilford Brimley, uh, it's a great story about him. Um, I had a very good friend of mine back in Los Angeles who is a, is a working actor to this day. He was a working actor back then, a character actor. Mm-hmm. And this was when he was very young, when we were like in our 20s. He got cast in some, I think it was like a, a, a Lifetime movie, Lifetime Channel movie. For, and this was going back to like the late 80s, early 90s when Lifetime wasn't just it was about... Big. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, now Lifetime, if you watch Lifetime Channel for the past 10, 20 years, it's always about, you know, uh, daddy and stepmom's daughter and stuff like that. And, you know, uh-huh. it's, it's just like, you know, women betrayed, you know, my neighbor right. next door. It's always about these affairs. <laughs> but back yes. then, it, it, it was a little bit more uh, inter, uh, entertainment. Substantive? Yeah, okay. yeah. They had more substance back then. And uh, my friend got cast. Uh, in a part in a Lifetime Channel movie, and he played, I think, a, uh, a fireman or something, or I don't know. Anyway, it was shot in Utah. This movie, mm-hmm. and uh, Wilford Brimley plays the detective. He's the detective, uh-huh. and apparently, he shows up. This is his first day working. You know, his first day shows up on set, and apparently, he's read the script and he's and he's talking to the director. And apparently the house is on fire, and uh, my buddy plays one of the firemen who has a few lines and stuff like that. And the house is on fire. I think the kid's daughter's in the in the house or whatever. The, the mother's daughter's in the house. And Wilford Bramley is discussing the scene, his first scene with um, with the actress who plays the mom. And you know she's all frantic. You know my daughter, my daughter's in that house. My daughter and. Wilford Brimley is supposed to like scream at her and like to calm her down, you know? And he keeps telling the director, I need to slap her. I need to slap her in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Going method here. Yeah. Yeah. And um, the director is like, going, no, 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 no. You're not slapping. No, no slapping in the face. No slapping in the face. <laughs> he goes, no, I really think I need to slap her. And he's like, no, 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 it's, it, it's, you could do it another way. You, you're, you know, you can do it, just calm her down, you know, yell at her, scream at her or whatever, but no slapping, you're not slapping her in the face. And he's like, Wilford Brindley is like, all right, whatever, dude, whatever. And my friend, you know, told me this story a million times. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they're getting ready for the first take and, you know, he shows up on the scene of the fire and, and, and the woman, the woman, the actress who's playing the mother is screaming and yelling. And what does Wilford do? He just slaps her in the face. <laughs> he just slaps her in the face and the director's like cut what are you He's doing committed. what are you doing you know so anyway but apparently he was a very uh, uh funny guy off the set because um my my buddy who was on the film he worked there he worked on the set for a few days he said wilford did a lot of uh uh whoopee cushion jokes on people really <laughs> yeah during like lunch Practical break joker huh yeah he put like uh, whoopee cushions during lunch breaks on certain actors or the director and stuff, and he'd get a big kick out of okay. it. Apparently, but Come yeah, on. he died. Oh, yeah, yeah. He he. Um, I think uh, I read about it. Uh, he um, 
he kind of just fell into acting, if I remember correctly. He didn't. He wasn't really trained or something like that. I huh. don't know. I I I don't know. But um, oh, but I do a know this old guy had a long career. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. Yeah, he had a long career, you know, and, and he uh, uh, he had yeah he worked with some great actors. I mean, he worked with Jane Fonda and Michael Douglas. He worked with Harrison Ford and Tom Cruise. Yeah, and yeah. He, and he worked with uh, Pee Wee Herman and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah. what's that the guy's greats. name? Yeah, yeah. He worked with uh, what's that guy's name? Uh, John Holmes. He worked with John Holmes. Okay, so, all right. Yeah, I'm yeah. learning something here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but listen, I wanted to bring this up. Um, you know, the, the the Hard Rock Hotel finally got that first body out of the devastation. I saw that. Yeah. Well, yes. I happened to be at the ring room that Saturday. Really. Yeah, and I was leaving the ring room. It was around 10, 10, 15, 10 30 in the morning. And they and I was walking out and I saw all these news crews there, you know, where we usually park. Right. And um, they were they had just brought the, the, the body down. They mm. just brought the body down. Uh, wow. and it was in a and it was kind of like in a body bag. And they, they had the family there. And they had, they were all sitting in chairs and there's a lot of screaming and, you know, crying and, and all that sure. stuff. And it was, it was a, it was, uh, it was something to see, man. I'll tell you, um, and Latoya was there, our, our fearless leader of the city, Latoya. Oh, Jesus. She was there calming people down and it was, it was really, it was really, uh, it was something to see. I'll tell you that. But what I, since I've been going to the ring room, since it reopened, uh, the rumor is, for a lot of the members there, the, that there's more bodies than they know. They think there's really? more bodies. Yeah, they think there's more bodies in there. Maybe but, some undocumented workers up there that didn't yeah, really have and, you know, family and, and, around you know, to uh, to report them missing or something. Yeah, and you know, there's also there was a lot of those uh, temp workers that were working on this job site, and a lot of those guys give fake names because you know they're ex-cons or whatever, that okay. kind of stuff. So uh, the rumor is going is that there's there's actually more bodies in there. Oh, so we'll see we'll see what happens in the, in the next few. I mean they got this one body out, and um, we'll see what happens because they, they still have there's there's two or three more that they know about. But we'll see. Uh, oh wow, crazy! You know, um, we'll see what happens. But uh, anyway, it's crazy. Well, you know, yeah, man. Uh, you know, I, I saw uh, this this item th- that Latoya is involved in. Uh, Latoya Cantrell, our mayor, uh, from a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you know, the the city for a few years has been dealing with the uh, the Airbnb. Uh, you know, the, all the these different large corporations buying up huge tracts of of single family and 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 double homes, and right. uh, you know, turning them into Airbnb. So. Uh, you know, again, uh, Latoya Cantrell is supposed to be our good government candidate, you know, good government mayor. Uh, so in, in her latest move, she uh, appointed this guy who was the former general manager of the largest owner of all of those uh, those those uh, units, those those uh, what do they call them? Uh, Short term rental units. Right. And yeah, she I appointed saw him. She appointed him in charge of, of a new city, uh, uh, newly created city agency that's going to govern uh, Airbnbs, oh. <laughs> and it's uh, it's it's replacing part of the the uh, 
the safety and permits or something. Uh, it's, it's a reimagining and focusing on how government is going to interact with business and residents. Hmm. Thinking, Jesus Christ, man, it's, it's a, the the fix is so in on this. I mean, it's 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 it smells. It smells to me, man. You know. Yeah. Well, um, she needs her tax. She's got to get her taxes paid somewhere or another. So maybe this is a kickback to get her taxes paid. But it's like those well, um, those uh, what's going on around where you live actually is the um, what do they call that? Uh, they're turning all these uh, uh, two single you know two unit apartments into dorms basically. Oh right, yeah, yeah. They're they're buying up these these doubles, and then yeah. they build doubles they, to they, dorms. They build a, a camelback or a second story on them. Put like five uh, uh, bedrooms into a place and and rent it out to students. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. It's and happened they a have, lot in your neighborhood because I I know our our, our friend uh, Deborah Howe is a big uh, uh, activist against it because she lives yes. in that neighborhood too. Yes, former and, guest. Yes. Yeah, and she's a realtor also. I think so. She, right, she is. She knows. Uh, Hands on that. What's going on with that? And uh, you know, it, and what it's doing. You know what that's doing. And also, what Latoya just did. Also, it's going to drive away even more of the culture of this city, which is uh, your African Americans. It's going to drive them out even more to move farther and farther away from the parish because they can't afford it. There's so many uh, factors uh, driving up the the the. The, per, the cost of living here. I, yeah. uh, you know, as you said, I live near the, near the, uh, the universities. I, I recently got my, uh, property tax assessment. Oh, I know. Um, and it was sky high. I bet. Wasn't it? So, yes. Yeah, so for people that don't live here, the, the roles of the property taxes get opened up for like 10 days at the end of, end of, uh, July, beginning of August every year. It's like the, the high holidays, you know, in Judaism where the book of life is opened, you know, and, and you better make your deal during that time before the book of life is closed. <laughs> and, uh, so in the past, if you wanted to dispute your assessment, you had to go down and wait in line at city hall. And sometimes you would have to wait like eight hours or seven yeah. hours and you then they'd get to five o'clock and they'd close it down they'd give you a rain check and you got to go get in line the next morning so th thankfully th they i guess the the pandemic they finally figured out how to use the internet and uh take appointments so i i got an assessment that tripled the assessment on the on my home on the on the building yeah it, it it's so it's it, year over year it it, it tripled so I thought, well, that that's ridiculous. That that's that doesn't make any sense. So I thought, okay, I want to dispute this. Uh, as I went and looked into it, I was like, oh, holy cow! Look at this. Uh, you know, you can go on the assessor's website, uh, pick which place you want to go. They opened up a few satellite offices around the city. Uh, I chose the lakefront one because I know they just raised all the people uptown, raised all their our assessments. I thought, well, I don't want to go to the one uptown. It's going to be overrun. So I was able to go online and uh, pick what day I wanted, pick my time, made an appointment online. I got an email from the guy from the the caseworker saying, "Yes, show up five minutes before your appointment." It's it was like actually being in a in a country where things work. You know, I felt like I was in Sweden or something. You know, it's just, <laughs> it, so. And, but uh, were you able to fight it? Well, I, I did, and you know, a lot of it is who you get as your caseworker, because some I've heard uh, 
stories where somebody goes in, they they plead their case, and the person, the caseworker, just has their arms folded, and they go, "Well, move, leave town," you know. Fuck you. We don't care. You know, it's no, it's we're not changing it. So I didn't have that experience. I had a guy who was sympathetic to my stories looking at, uh, you know, how can I uh, you're right. That seems out of line. How can I, uh, you know, justify this? And so we'll see. It's still kind of he's, he's, he's working on it. He's going to give me a call back in a few days. And uh, yeah, I, I've you know. talked to uh, quite a few friends, especially uh, uh, people who live like uptown or the irish channel and that those areas where it's 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 out of control now we had a assessment last year that was crazy so but apparently if it's over 50 percent it can be spread out over four or five years right right there's if it's if it's under 50 percent then you're kind of fucked that's, yeah, that's, no, that's, mine, mine was almost, uh, uh, for the overall, the overall assessment, it was almost doubled. You know, yeah, like, well, that's what everyone's part. getting. You know, uh, it's, it's, it's fucked. It's fucked. I mean, this is like, I mean, this has been going on for years, ever since I moved here. It's like, uh, it's the lowest wages in the country, but yet the highest for everything. You've got the highest car insurance rates, the highest insurance rates, and you've got the lowest, you know, wage. So I don't know how people make it. I, I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, man, I think we I, talked about it last week. I think uh, uh, you're back to drug dealing and, and I'm pimping it to make right. extra money. I know. You well, know? it's good that we have these, these, uh, you know, <laughs> these sidelines to fall back on. Thank, thank God. Yeah, you thank know. goodness. You know, uh, thank goodness. But listen, remember we were talking about that uh, son who Robert Smith, the fifth who killed yes. Robert Smith, the fourth. And you right, had, over the Chinese food. Over the Chinese food order. They got an argument. Right. Dad and son got and the son just put what nine rounds into his dad or eight rounds. Yeah, he unloaded the clip on his dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um but you were saying how uh you know if a father says to his son, Let's fight, uh there's something wrong. Well, yeah. it was so crazy because Two days later, I'm home, and uh, my daughter is in her room just talking to friends or whatever, and my wife and I are trying to find a movie to watch. And we found this movie called Bottle Shock. And hmm. it's about California winemakers in the early, late 60s, early 70s who were getting dissed by you know, the, the, the old guard, the French. And it's how California wines broke in to being, you know, a very powerful force in winemaking. Now California is right up there with France, you know. Right. But there, you know, this is a movie I think that probably didn't do well in the theaters, but it went straight to Netflix or Amazon. But you said that about how it, you know, it's always bad if a dad says to his son, "Okay, we're going to settle this by fighting." Well, this movie has this a father and son who own this winery. The dad owns the winery and the son is supposed to take over and he wants to be a part of it. But he's a fuck up. He's a hippie. He goes out and drinks a lot and stuff and that kind of stuff. But they, you know, the son's late for work. So they have a a boxing ring on the vineyard where the father (laughs) and son duke it out. They duke it out. (laughs) And, and oh, I just geez. thought to myself, well, this is exactly what Renee was talking about, how this is not, that doesn't ever end well. But of course, it's the movie, so it ended well. 
You oh, know? okay. But All I mean, right. these, both of them were very good fighters. I mean, they fucking beat the shit out of each other in this movie. Okay. They wore gloves. Uh, they wore gloves, and you know, dad was you know older than son, and took a few good shots from the son and pelted the son, and uh, it it, uh, it was just funny because the timing was so perfect. Because you had just said that, why would a father want to fight his son like that? Right. And sure enough. There's a movie that has a father and son who, to settle their disagreements, they get in the boxing ring. Okay, it's all folding in on itself. Well, you know that uh, we want to get to our guest, but let me just touch on one thing that happened to me today. So today's my father's birthday. Oh. And, uh and uh, so I, I always call my father on his birthday, and I'm often on the road on his his birthday or Father's Day, so I'll, I'll make this call in front of the band because it kind of... It's, it's, it's a, I, I can predict what's going to happen at the end of it. So and I talked to him for a while, and then at the end I go, okay, well, have a great day, Dad. Uh, I love you. And my father's standard response to that is, okay. <laughs> Without fail. Or, 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 or alternately, thank you. Um, oh, wow. so, so sweet. And, and That's very sweet. I, yeah, yeah, I know. I, I know it's, I know it's coming. It doesn't hurt my feelings anymore. You know, it, it, it hasn't for a good long time. And so if I'm in the van with the band, when this happens, I get off and I, I retort, I, I recount to him, you know, well, yes, I said, I love you. And my father said, okay. <laughs> and, <laughs> and to a man, everybody in the band goes, yeah, yeah. That's what my dad said too. <laughs> like there was not a guy in the band whose father go, Oh, I love you too. <laughs> Jesus uh, Christ, man! What happened with this generation of men, man? They're so 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 emotionally stunted. You know, I, I don't get it. Uh, well, my dad was uh, Italian, and uh, he was you know we hugged and kissed constantly. Okay, like, get up in the morning and hug and kiss, and I hadn't seen him in you know a few months. Hug and he was a hugger and kisser. Okay, and, well, and we like that. I, you know, that's how I grew up. That's how I grew up. Yeah, well, that's 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 how I am with my son. You know, I remember I remember I uh, was when I was visiting my son in like first grade or something. Uh, you know, during playtime, uh, recess, and then I was it was over and I was going to leave and I, I I he I kissed him and some kid was standing there he goes he goes oh you you kissed him and he goes it's my dad. I was like, <laughs> All right, uh, yes, thank you, Daniel. You know, well, just you know, just think, uh, uh, you know, your father. How old is he? Uh, I turned 80 today. Oh, okay. So, you know, I haven't seen him in a while, but he seems like a healthy guy. Uh, but, you know, yeah, there's going yeah. to there's, there's gonna be a point maybe, you know, five, ten years down the road when you said, I love you, Dad. He's going to go, who are you? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and you are? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, brother. So, but anyway, yeah, that, it is what it is, man. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. You know I remember once, uh, I think it was at uh, Daniel's uh, bar mitzvah party a long time ago. I, I was talking to your dad, and he, he couldn't stop. Uh, I mean, he was just drooling over you. Me? Really? Yeah, he was drooling over you because, I, I mean, I... Because I used to see your mom and dad a lot at Katie's restaurant. For some reason, they went there. They always went there when I was there. For some reason, okay. And I got to know him a little bit. But at that, I think it was Daniel's bar mitzvah party. Was that at Rock and Bowl mm -hmm. or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he he couldn't stop drooling over you. 
Well, you know? well so let's see. I guess he does it behind my back. You know, he doesn't, doesn't want me to get a big head, you know. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. He's a good guy. You know? Yeah, no, he is a good guy. So, no, I'm, I'm not, <laughs> not trying to attack him. I'm just saying it's, it's, a, it's a hallmark of men of his generation. You know, it's, yeah, not, it's but, not him. But it's, your mother's uh, a whole different story. We won't get into that tonight. Oh, no, she's a piece of work. Um, <laughs> oh, no, she's the sweetest, sweetest lady ever. Anyway, uh, speaking of sweet ladies, uh, let's get to our guest, Manny. What do you yeah. think? Yeah, she's sure. been very patient here. So she's uh, just uh, one of the few guests that we had booked and then had to cancel on us. And uh, usually that, that uh, you know, that, that makes us want you back even more. You know, we don't we don't like to take no for an answer. You know, it's, uh, it's just whets our appetite. So oh. so we have her back on the show tonight. She's a very successful jewelry designer. She's an actress. Uh, she's a, a New Orleans uh, native from River Ridge. Uh, oh, so we have have uh, many uh, inside things to talk about. Reefer, Reefer yes, well, yeah. we're gonna, we ha I have that in my notes. Yes. So <laughs> without further ado, Miss Gogo Borgerding. Welcome, Gogo. Hi, guys. Thanks hey. for having me. No problem. Are you feeling better? Yes. Well, you know, two years ago I was in the hospital. I had a pneumonia. I had pleurisy. I had a blood clot in my lung and ten broken ribs. So mm. I, get, I get you, Manny. I feel your pain for sure. And so yeah. the other day I have uh, a, a rib, well, actually the, the muscle and the tissue that's in between the ribs was protruding out of my body. And actually it still is. And I just turned the wrong way and it felt like my back went out and I, I had to be pulled up and I was like, oh, and then I just got lots of pain pills and they knocked me out, woke up the next day and I felt a lot better. <laughs> so mm. I apologize, you guys. Oh, that's okay. Now, how did you get 10 broken ribs? Was it from a fall no, or something? No, I was misdiagnosed for a whole summer, prob probably, yeah, but four months. And my, I had gone to my ENT doctor, and I mean, the phlegm that was produced out of my nostril was green and brown. I was like waiting for mm. it to crawl in the, in, oh, you know, in the sink. <laughs> it was that bad. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, went to the doctor and they're like, oh, you're fine. You know, gave me an inhaler. <laughs> and also I couldn't breathe. I really couldn't breathe for the longest time. And I suffer from allergies and all that. But it had gotten to a point where it was so bad. I did the old remedy that your grandmother would do with the Vicks in a boiling pot of yeah. water and yeah. then you put the towel oh, yeah, yeah. over your head kind of situation. And right. I was just pacing and I was like, okay, this is, this has got to end. So I went to the hospital and they were like, um, yeah, you're staying. They're like, you're, you're so sick. You've got, they, um, get, did a CAT scan and all the doctors I had gone to before that, I mean, I couldn't breathe. It was incredible. I mean, I was coughing and coughing. That's where the ribs came into place. I broke, I, I broke 10 ribs by coughing so much over really? a few months. Yeah. And I didn't, so, um, didn't realize that was possible. Oh, well, let me tell you, it is. <laughs> so I, I, I remember uh, uh, somebody, uh, uh, a sports uh, baseball player about 20 years ago, sneezed like four or five times in a row and really big sneezes mm -hmm. that he busted a rib just by sneezing. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I was coughing. I mean, a little cough started up, you know, and then became progressively larger and then got to the hospital and they had to, okay. So leading up, they, I went to the urgent care, went all the over the place and they just did regular x-rays. Nothing showed up. When I got to the hospital, wow. they did a cat, they did a cat scan and that's where they found the blood clot in my lung. 
and um, mm. and they saw that I had pneumonia, and they're like, "Ah, oh, you're not going anywhere." So I was in ICU for two days and uh, five days total in the hospital, and with pneumonia, all that uh, broken ribs, and you just have to let that heal by itself, really. And the doctors oh, yeah, had, you know, doctors had no idea where um, the blood clot came from, so that was really unusual. So even when I got out of the hospital, still sick. I mean, just still really sick, even after going to my pulmonologist for a good year afterwards. So I finally got to talking with a friend, and he's like, you know what? You need to go to um, a holistic allergist. So I was like, all right, I'm up for anything. Let's do it. So I went and I taught, told this woman my whole story, and she looks at me and she goes, mold. She goes, you have mold in your system. So I did a test, mm. a urine test. And came back between one and fifty percent of uh, molds. I had three hundred and eighty of one pr- of one strand of mold. I had like eighty five of another, and like five uh, all five five uh, percent of another. So I had three strands of mold in my body. So crazy. And that's wow. when um, my, and my doctor she typed into Google uh, mold pulmonary embolism. But a bit of it. It was just all down the page. And I was like, wow. So yeah, it was all mold. And, so where did uh, mold come from? Uh, well, I think it's it's it was in our house and also in my shop that I had on Magazine Street. And I did we did the petri dish, you know, hanging out in like the corners where you think it's kind of you know that you think you see mold or um, yeah. or it's just kind right. of musty smelling. And I mean, you should have seen it after a day of having it wrapped up and ready to test. I mean, they had the most beautiful colors, all these circle rings and all this stuff in black and brown. And, you know, it was very uh, it's interesting really blossoming. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we, we have a lot of mold in New Orleans. Yes, it's uh, I mean, it's we're below sea level. I mean, below sea level. Yeah. Of course we're going to have it. But With when 100% we, humidity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, we've been in my ha- our house for 16 years. And uh, upstairs, they did not, uh, the HVAC or the air system that's up in the attic, it was not... Uh, uh, it was not uh, properly hanging up. It was laying down, causing all this condensation and mold. Mm, and, oh, okay. um, and so it went through our house. And uh, so I was breathing that for years, you know, and it causes oh, dementia. It causes, um, God, I can tell you, okay. I'll have a conversation with somebody and I'll be like, you know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? And then they look at me and they go, refrigerator? And I'm like, yeah, that's it. That's it. (laughs) And um, yeah, so it's, I'm still reeling with it. You know, every now and then I will, uh, I will definitely get a coughing spout or I will turn the wrong way and a rib will just, oh, the worst pain right back in the same spot where it started. So that's how how I'm doing. That's how my neck is right now. I'm having, I can't, I'm having to like, move my whole body to look a direction i can't just look that direction oh geez. right you know and 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 it's 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 and i have a i i've noticed in the last week there's actually like right in the middle of my neck right above my back there's like clicking there's like a click uh. so something's <laughs> rubbing something's rubbing against something else uh. Do you realize how old we sound right now, you guys? We sound like if you go to McDonald's at like uh, 6.50 in the morning, there'll always be like a one table of really old guys sitting (laughs) sitting there that meet every morning. You know, they used to smoke cigarettes if if, if when they let them smoke in there. But but if you sit next to them, this is what the conversation sounds like. (laughs) Oh, we 
wake up in the morning and I'm like, oh, my back. Oh, God. Oh, oh yeah. man. And of course, I have to exaggerate it even more so to myself, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and yeah, go get some Aleve or whatever. And 30 minutes okay. later, it'll be okay. Yeah. But, Oxycontin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> right. So, go, 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 go. You're from Reefer Ridge. My wife yes, is from uh, Reefer Ridge also. Oh, no way, doll. Um, we might be related. What's her name? Her name, her name, she was part of the Herbert family, Marion <gasps> Herbert. No, I don't know a Marianne. I know an Angela Herbert. No. Um, she, where, had a bunch of, she had a bunch of brothers, like yeah. six, six brothers. It's a uh, big Catholic family. I know them. Oh, they yeah. free for me. Marianne. Okay. No, so Marianne, not Marianne. 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 Okay. So what are, what are her brother's names? Bobby? Uh, Paul, Greg, John, Stephen. They no. lived on. They lived. They grew up on Citrus Court. On Citrus Court, God, no, I don't know that family. There, there is another uh, Herbert family, though. Not A. Bear, yeah. Herbert. Yeah, Herbert. Herbert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, um, well where, I don't know. Where did you go to? Where did you go to school, uh, Gogo? Where'd you go to high school? I mean, <laughs> where did I go to high school? You mean right? Uh, I went yes. to Mercy Academy uh, Uptown. Mercy actually. Academy. Okay. And, yeah, yeah. 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 I used to date a girl that went to Mercy school. Academy. Yeah. Oh no, and, I know um, all about Mercy Academy. And guess what our mascot was? How frightening is this? A poodle. All right, a poodle. <laughs> Mercy I poodle. Gonna the, That's I thought so you were going to say the Virgin oh. Mary, but <laughs> the Virgin I thought you were going to say the Virgin Mary. Oh, God okay. bless us all. Huh? Yes, um, <laughs> I went to uh, Mercy Academy. I was the last graduating class, so uh, that was 1992. Oh. Yes. From Mercy Academy, you wind up going to Savannah College of Art and Design. How, right. how did that happen? What, what did you go straight well, straight from uh, high school to to, uh, no. to start studying jewelry design? Or well, I, you know, it all started. I worked at a, a, a jewelry store in the French Quarter on Royal Street. It's called Rumors, and it was like a thousand pair of earrings, just earrings. It was pretty crazy. Um, I was that worked there. I guess my junior year, um, senior year, and a little bit of college. And I got the taste of jewelry design. And so I first started out as a beater and um, beating jewelry. And that's where everybody kind of gets the, the taste of it. And then went to Tulane. Well, it's like being, what? we call them beaters, where they use beads, you know, to, to make necklaces. Oh, bead. They don't okay, really, right. yeah. <laughs> Not a beater, like beaten off kind of beater. No, no. That, that's what I thought you were saying. I was like, <laughs> I don't, never heard that term. But I thought you said beaners. <laughs> oh, okay. Well. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not enunciating enough, huh? Okay, so uh, so yeah, and I wanted to learn metalsmithing, and at that time, there was no place to uh, go to school. Well, actually, I had done a stint in all different kind of schools here. I went to the, the New Orleans Academy on, Ma on Magazine Street, went to Tulane for a little bit, and then I sat out for a while, and I started doing this play in my early 20s uh, called And the Ball and All, this crazy play, um, I guess we can get back to it later. Yeah, we'll yeah, we talk about that. You can talk about that now if you want. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, I've been doing this play and the ball and all for 25 years now. It's the longest running play in the history of New Orleans, actually. New Orleans, actually. And uh, Ricky Graham wrote it, and Becky Allen is the star of the show. And I got, I was just very lucky to be a part of the show early on. And the most amazing women are in the show. We have some that have been 
you know, on Broadway, or we've had parts of the cast who've done one woman shows at like the size of the Sanger Theater all across the country. And then you have Becky Allen herself, you know, she's known as being a, a female, female impersonator is how they, right. uh, how she well, goes. I was trying to ask you, what's Becky, <laughs> what's, what's Becky, what's his real name? It's a woman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're funny. <laughs> what's his real name? Her real name is, uh, is Butsman. Her last name is Butsman. So it was Becky Butsman. And then she married an Allen. So that's where you get the Allen. Okay. Just so for the name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just for the name, exactly. And she's uh, Is he still alive? He is still alive, don't you know? But she's not doing so well, poor darling. Um, yeah, the last time we did the ball and all was two years ago. Uh, she would go off stage and she was just crying and I shouldn't be talking about her business, but um, she right, yeah, yeah, was no, just hurting. She was hurting really bad. And then she had, she had surgery shortly afterwards after uh, our performance. I mean, it, she was just in so much pain and she's feeling okay. You know, she's uh, having a hard time quarantining, I guess you could say, because uh, she already yeah. lives by herself and stuff, but we try and keep in touch with her over this time. And in the past two years, they've had a drag version of our play, which is kind of fun because Becky couldn't do it. So they decided, all right, we'll get some men to play it, you know, play our parts. It was not such a stretch. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've had people come in if we were really desperate to, for one of the, uh, you know, one of the characters couldn't, one of the people couldn't perform. And so we would put some phone calls out to some of our, our male thespians and have them perform and they did like a drag version but you know it's fun but sure uh, do you know the premise have you guys seen the show i have no, not I have okay not. well let me tell you about it all it's about a women's crew an all women's crew called the crew of terpsichore and it's about five of us that are in the show and it takes place the show takes place in Othno's lounge in mid-city and it's about uh, us getting together and talking about our costumes and talking about the float design and talking about um, who's going to be in on the float and all this and that. And so it's like a Yeti version of Steel Magnolias. That's what we say. And so whenever okay. anybody, whenever anybody start, leaves their room, they all go, mm, now what color she done? Color that hair now. Ooh, looks like Mercure Comb Red. You know, we all talk about each other when you leave the room kind of thing. And so I, I was um, trying to oh, go ahead. What? Can you understand me? No, what? I was I was saying I was trying to explain to someone uh -huh. about y yat culture and and it was somebody who's who's not from here and they said, "What are you saying?" And I said, "Well, it's, you know, yat culture." And they said, "What culture?" I said, "You know, people that would say like, "Where yat, baby?" Right. And, oh, it goes even and, further than that. Can I just tell you real quickly? I'm sorry, I don't mean to. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, no, 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 go ahead. You know, you know you're from New Orleans when you could say, "Burlet, turlet, way yat, doll, and god." Now, did you get that? Of course, of course. I'm from New Orleans. <laughs> there you go. So you had boilet, you had toilet, you had where, where are you at? You know, darling and God. And, and you then, had Furl and Earl. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, my mom, she still thinks that Delgada ends in an A and not an O. Uh -huh. <laughs> Sorry, mom. Sure. You do. Delgada. Yeah. <laughs> and then my grandmother used to go, oh, suck. Go put that in the zinc. You know, or the turtle. Yeah. Exactly. Well, sure, the, thing sure, that yeah. me, the thing that bugs me the most is uh, uh, Burgundy. It's Burgundy. It's not Burgundy. It's Burgundy. Oh, 
That's all over well, you know, the city. You, yeah. Of course, you know, you were using the word uh, Terpsichore. Of course, the real word is Terpsichore. But exactly. It's one of the muses. But, uh, you know, we have Terpsichore. We have uh, Melpamine, you know, instead of right. Melpomene. It's, it's, uh, but, you know, Calliope is yeah, Calliope. Uh, Calliope. Calliope, yeah. <laughs> so, that's you know, New Orleans for you. Yes, uh, like uh, like on the uh, the honeymooners, uh, you know, Cramden would say, uh, uh, get a string of Palopanes, you know, polo ponies, Palopanes. Ah, Palopanes. Any... That's a good one. So let yeah, me tell yeah, you about yeah. the play. So let me tell you about the play. All right. So my character, mm -hmm. uh, my name is Terry Ann Vickner. My husband's name is Roy and my son's name is Lil Roy. And so I have big hair and I have like this red jumpsuit that I wear. Um, that goes way back to the 80s because we let's we're, okay, the show's 25 years old and then I'm still wearing my clothes from the 80s. And okay. uh, and then I have high heels, I got fingernails going and all that. And so I walk into the stage, everybody's already there. All the all the characters are all sitting in their positions and um, waiting for me. We each go onto the stage like one by one to the meeting. Everybody's already been passing the passing the zaps potato chips around and having cocktails and whatever. So I walk up on the stage and I'm like, hey, y'all, I'm sorry I'm late. I was up all night with Lil Roy. He's cutting a tooth. And they go, oh, wait, that's so cute. Oh, it ain't so cute at 4.30 a.m. I finally get to bed around 6. Then Big Roy, he gets up at 7 and he goes, yo, Terry, why don't you help me work on my boat before you go to work? Ah, and I'm like, I'm so sure, I swear. Here's a quarter, Roy. Buy a clue. Oh, I've been running around all morning like you would not believe. And then they go, well, you had time to get a directory. Ah, oh, drive through. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so you're touching on all the, the New Orleans touchstones. It's, it but you know, you know, Ricky wrote it so well that it's not annoying. You know, it's, um, it's just, nice. it's just classic. It's the editing is amazing. And the one liners are uh, just it's just written so well that it's it's we've been we've been doing it for twenty five years. We have a following now, and we actually it's like it's like the um, Rocky Horror Picture Show. We have people okay. come. They can, we have people come dressed like us. Okay, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. Wow. And they wow. will have signs, and they'll be like, they will be the crew at Terpsichore, and they will have um and they'll have who each other you know the, who each other is their characters and stuff like that, and it's uh -huh. it's just been so amazing, you know, and <laughs> it's just it's been a fun ride. Let me tell you. So nice. does Ricky the writer? Does he also yes. direct it? He's a writer and the director, and he's also played Verna, one of the characters in the show. So, oh, okay. Yeah. He's just, he's amazing, too. I mean, you know, he's written so many plays here in New Orleans. Actually, yes. I've, done, I've done two shows with him. Uh, he wrote a play called um, Lomora of the Islands, and uh, that was another Yeti version of, like, the throw the virgin into the volcano kind of situation musical. Okay. And then uh, what else did he do? Oh, he did Cinderella, Battistella. Um, and that was like Cinderella, Battistella, gonna lock it in the cellar kind of thing. And that was at Nord Theater. And he's just, you know, it's so funny because he went to New York to be a Shakespearean actor. And, you know, sometimes people don't want to be the little pond and, you know, and a little, little uh, fish in a big, big pond, you know? They would rather live here in New Orleans where the music is fabulous and the culture is wonderful and the people. And so, um, and so he's, he always laughs about how he, you know, he's known for this play about yats, everything he's always tried to run away from, you know? 
Uh, but okay, they're just so wow. talented, you know, Becky and Ricky and uh, just amazing. They've both been around for so long. You know, Becky used to be the universal chairwoman um, and she would, that's her right. And the universal chairman, right? Commercial. Yeah, and yeah, like universal furniture. And she was, she was dressed like a chair. Yes. She had like a exactly. chair costume on. She was the, the chairwoman. Yes. <laughs> I do remember exactly. that. Yeah. They had yeah. actually were lazy boys. You know, they had the upholstered outfits and they had, they copped out and they were talking away. You know. that's it's some, one of those staples of New Orleans commercials, you yeah, know, like Frankie and John, hey, hey, you know. Yeah, yeah, kind of and, and Al Scaramuza, you know. Yeah. Al Scaramuza was, yeah, yeah. yeah Very he, he, pretty. He was sick, know, but he's well now. He recovered, apparently. Uh, oh, it did he? Yeah, I thought yeah, he yeah. died. No, 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 no. Al Scaramuza, he was in the ICU last week, but he's he's out. He's better. He's he, Al Scaramuza's oh, got to be God. in his mid-90s now, but... Uh, um, and yes. the nicest guy ever. So nice. You know, I got to back him up one time. I was playing a party with the iguanas and he was there and, and we got to talking to him. We're like, Al, why don't you get up with us and, and, uh, and, and do, do the seafood city song. He's like, Oh, I don't know. So we talked him into it and he got up and sang seafood city. Very pretty with us. You know, Al Scramuza had a record label back in the, in the sixties, the scram label. And uh, huh. he, yes, he's a, he's a, an entrepreneur going way back the way he tells the story. Nobody in New Orleans ate crawfish in the old days. People ate crabs. And, huh. you know, like you'd have a, a crab boil and people would gather and eat crabs. And he realized that he was in the seafood business. He realized, well, the, they have these things, crawfish, that are very cheap. If I can convince people to eat these, I can make a killing. And that he was the one that promoted the idea of eating crawfish in New Orleans. Really? Wow. He was the originator? I didn't yes, know. Yes, that's the way he tells the story. I mean, someone might disagree with that, but, uh, you know, he, 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 he told it very authoritatively, so I believed him. Manny, it's, I'm looking at the old clock and, and my, my water clock, which is also known as my drink. And uh, Yeah, it's time to refresh our libation. Yes. So we're going to take a break, Go-Go. Okay. And go get yourself a libation. <laughs> and the nation does the same. The troubled nation does the same. And we'll be back in a second. And we're back, back with Mr. Manny Chevrolet. I am Renee Coman, back with our guest, Miss Gogo Borgerding. And uh, Manny, you know, we, we have a, a, an association with a great product. Why don't you tell Gogo and the Troubled Nation about that product? Well, Gogo, the Velo Bar is sweeping yes. the nation. Yes. Not just the Troubled Nation, but the whole nation. The Velo Bar, Gogo is a CBD protein bar. It's fantastic. It You've heard about great. that, right? Yeah. yeah. It tastes great. It's got 25 milligrams of CBD per bar. And it's really good at taking the edge off, whatever you're dealing with right now. And boy, are we dealing with a lot of stuff, go-go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, we it's are. It's a healthy oh, yeah. protein bar that fills you up and it calms you down, go-go. And who doesn't need stress relief right now, Go-Go? Amen. The whole goddamn world's freaking out, Go-Go. <laughs> this protein bar, the Velo Bar, is a plant-based protein bar with superfood ingredients. I don't know what kind of diet you're on, if you're a vegan or if you're a meat eater or whatever you are. Carnivore. You're a carnivore. Yes. Well, this, this is really good. It's a superfood ingredients like pumpkin seeds. Hemp hearts, chia seeds. Ooh, chia and seeds. The, and the best part is it's got 25 milligrams of CBD per bar. And Renee, it comes in two great flavors right now. Oh, yeah. 
the dark chocolate and the peanut butter. Mm. And I love them both. Oh yeah, I do. I I I I I think I'm going to buy stock in this company because I'm buying well, so much of this stuff. Yeah, you were saying you can't stop eating them. You know, I, I can't said, stop well, you, eating them. You do have I, an addictive personality, but yeah, uh, you know. yeah, it's a great stress relief breakfast bar, and you know it tastes great. And the best thing about this GoGo <laughs> is that if you go to VeloBarCBD.com to place an order, you can go right now. Place an order and use the Troubled Men 15 promo code and get 15% off your order. 15% nice. off wow. your order. And go, go. There's free shipping. Oh, yeah. And that's what Renee loves the most. I love the free shipping, man. Yeah, because he's a cheap fuck. So, I am, yes. <laughs> yeah. So 15% off if you use the Troubled Men 15 promo code and you get free shipping. And We've had the CEO of this company on our show a while yes. back. And I talked to him just a few days ago. And he says the nation, the troubled nation, is listening to us, Renee. And oh, they're, I know. And they're buying stuff. They're buying yeah. stuff. And he's going to come out with some more products very soon. Yes, yes. Yeah. He almost let the cat out of the bag when he was on our show. We had yeah. to kind of edit yeah. around yeah. it, but uh, we're keeping a lid on it. But it's some very yeah, exciting new lid. products, new ex- exciting yeah. new products from Velobar. So go, go, and the yeah. nation. Go to velobarcbd.com and check it out. You won't be disappointed. All right. Nice. Nice. And uh, as always, you know, uh, if, if you want to support the Troubled Nation directly, you can uh, jump on that, that uh, link in our show notes and support us, support our operating costs, you know, our podcast hosting and stickers and equipment. And, you know, shout out to uh, our former guest, Arnie Skage, for uh, uh, supporting the, the, the podcast just this very day. We got a, uh, got a little, you know, some support from Arnie. So, you know, again, we, we appreciate that. Uh, it's, uh, it, it all comes in handy. Well, so, you know, we, we talked about a, a lot of stuff, uh, you know, in, in, your, in your, your life, Gogo, but we didn't talk mm-hmm. about the main thing, your jewelry. You know, yeah. so, so, you know, you're a jewelry designer, and it's, it's a great thing to have something that's so identifiable, and, you know, you're the, the go-go cuffs, the bracelets, the pendants. You can see someone that, you know, you've never seen that piece before, but you know it's your design. Oh, It's brilliant. And so many people we know. Manny, I, I'm sure you've, you know, uh, our, our guest uh, Steve Watson sports a, uh, a go-go cuff. Oh, uh, really? Well, let, oh, me yeah. ask, let me ask go-go. So you went yeah. to school to learn about jewelry and stuff like that. Me personally, I don't get jewelry. I mean, can you give me a tutorial on the history of jewelry? <laughs> what all of a sudden happened when people said well, we have to wear something around our wrist, around our neck, on our ears? I don't get it. Well, I mean, because really? me myself, I don't really care for any. I don't want anything on my. I don't even carry a wallet. <laughs> you know, I don't. I don't do any of that. You're I, no I, fuss. It, no it's, fuss. It's, too, it's it's. I find it so uh, cumbersome. It's just like I don't like jewelry so but but why why would all of a sudden did someone decide a million years ago that they're going to wear something around their neck i'm guessing uh, back then it was a lot of gold so i guess to show the riches of the person and you know back in egyptian king tut days you know you had uh women and you'd be buried actually in uh in your jewelry 
to show you know the riches when you passed away that maybe that would be uh, how you get through to the next life. Um, it's also just yeah an adornment. It's to like hat, an accessory, hats, anything, hats and scarves and anything to make um, make you look pretty or feel confident or. Um, I know for but there had to be like some time. There had to be some time. I don't Maybe know. I don't during know. During the caveman days where, you know. Right. Uh, I could blow smoke up your ass, but um, I really don't know. Well, well, you know, Sammy Davis Jr., he uh, you know, wore a lot of rings. And somebody, yes, somebody he did. said, Sammy, Sammy, what's with all the rings? He goes, it's all vanity, man. It's just fun. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's I, to make I up like for jewelry. It. It's to make up for his Napoleon complex, I'm sure. Oh, you know, no, it's a fun thing. I, I like is. bracelets. I, you know, I, 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 I might. I was looking at, at yes. your, your work today. It's like, I, I think I might have a, a go-go uh, cuff yes. in my future. Well, you know, it's really interesting. Um, I have a lot of men who I, I make cuff links and I make cuff bracelets and also make um, some chain bracelets that are not on the website that are fly fishing eyes. And so some people don't like having uh, something constricting on their arm, like a cuff. So I'm going to start doing more bangle pieces, uh, not bangles, but more chain bracelets. But I think it shows a self-confidence in a person. You know, when I have guys come in and, and uh, want to purchase something, they'll have other pieces of jewelry on and they're very confident kind of people and they know who they are and they feel comfortable with it. Like Steve Watson, oh Lord, he has he has easily like five bracelets. I've even had people come in, yeah. a woman came in and um, and she came in with one of his bracelets that he threw across the room because he was probably like ah, who, some kind of hoot and hollering mood. And right. it was squished, like someone stepped on it. And she comes in and she's like, I'm like, don't tell me it's Steve's, right? <laughs> she goes, yeah. <laughs> she goes, can you fix it? And I'm like, oh my God, but you'd be surprised. That silver is so malleable. I was able to like pull it apart, hammer it down with a rubber mallet and actually reform it and put another, yeah, put it and make it another bracelet out of it. But so, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, guys with it's jewelry. It's not for are, everyone. Are, guys with jewelry are like guys who, who have cats. I just don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm uh, with you on the cat situation. I'm with you on that. Yeah, yeah. But, well, you um, know, William Burroughs yeah. loved cats, so you know it's a, you know don't don't let's not draw too any too many uh, hard and fast rules here. Um, and uh, well, er, and Ernest Hemingway, right? Uh, that sounds and, and, about right. In the Keys. And Florida. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's that sounds about right. Well, yeah. so again, we're talking about how I, yeah. uh, you know, how iconic your your jewelry designs are. It's it's a lot of like. Uh, like um, geometric patterns. It kind of reminds right. me of some 19, some of it is like 1950s Formica type designs. And it's right. uh, very colorful. Yeah. You use a lot of like, like sterling silver with uh, anodized uh, aluminum. It's, it's, right. It holds color. Yeah. And, you know, I've seen all these people. So a, a lot of lusher uh, moms as a, <laughs> a whole contingent of lusher moms. You must know uh, Lizzie Carlson, Oh, uh, the, I love her. The great, uh, Woo, Leslie, she's the, a riot. She's she's a big fan of of your jewelry, and there's a whole coterie of of other lusher moms, you know. And yeah. and you also you were mentioning the the drag community. I see a, a lot of a, a lot of your jewelry <laughs> in the drag community. I know. Um, well, yeah, and they're all really good friends of mine. I like to uh, promote or do postcards every now and then, using friends or have some kind of funny situation in the postcard to make people laugh. You can't take yourself so seriously. So uh, 
so yeah, Bianca yes. Del Rio, who's really well known around the country, Roy Halak, we mm -hmm. did theater here in New Orleans. And he, you know, he sold out Wembley Stadium in a one woman show. He's he's that big. Um, he won Drew wow. Paul's drag race uh, a few years ago and a good friend of mine. And then Varla Jean Merman. Okay. She's an amazing talent too here in town. And then she goes to P Town in the summer and and sells her show there. And so uh, yeah, they, they had like a little chat uh um, online a few Fridays ago, and they promoted my jewelry. That's what we're doing right now. We're cross-pollinating with other artists, you know, and promoting each other uh, to help each other out, you know. And um, so, yeah, yeah. That, I'm very lucky. And I've done some postcards that are really funny. I remember one year I did a postcard when the um, Larry Craig situation happened. It was a, I think it was a senator, and he was in the bathroom, and he was soliciting a male prostitute. Oh, that was the guy in the bathroom, right? He was yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Was, so, um, oh, okay. So we with recreated the wide stance, right? Was, right, right. Yeah. Well, we recreated that uh, photo shoot in Loyola's bathroom because it felt just like very sterile. <laughs> and we had access to it, and so you should have seen this all as like a cameraman. We had lights. We had all the stuff going. We had my friend in the Skechers with a with a police badge and and he was getting arrested. And so we did, we shot that um, with him soliciting and on the back of the postcard, it said, send a signal to your partner this year for go-go jewelry, which is kind of fun. Oh, no. Okay. All right. <laughs> so, I like it. I like right. It. I don't know. So yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Actually, I made my first bracelet when I was at SCAD, they call it SCAD in Savannah. And oh, okay. I was taking a class called color on metal and we were, we were, um, we were studying anodized aluminum and I always wanted to make a big cuff bracelet. And in the process um, that, you know, that's how the bracelet evolved. And I couldn't go very far without somebody making a comment about it. And it was pretty cool. Um, and then when I moved back to New Orleans, uh, everybody just made comments. It was like, and then made a few more and a girlfriend of mine had a store on Magazine Street. And I had my, sh my pieces there. And then it started off at the Octa Museum. And then it just kind of took off. And it's, it's just really crazy. I hear, I hear the craziest stories, I guess, about people wearing this bracelet. I never thought it would start conversation like it has. And it's funny because my, my whole thesis my, when I was at SCAD was about conversational jewelry. And, hmm. um, and so it's kind of interesting how the bracelets have done that. And, um, yeah, and I'll have, I'll hear people, they'll be in the subway in New York and there'd be a woman across the way wearing, um, earrings and a necklace of mine and they all start talking and she's like, Oh, who's the artist? Everybody asks me, you know, and then they get to talking and I got asked my friend and a friend was in, um, a conference was in a, um, a meeting in, in Santa, I mean, I'm sorry, in San Francisco and he's from, uh, Charleston. And he said the woman across the board table, boardroom table, I was wearing one of my bracelets and it just strikes up conversation. It's, I hear the coolest stories, you know, and um, it's just, it's so neat. I think my bracelets have kind of traveled, traveled the world. Um, and, everybody sends me, and everybody sends me pictures, which is a lot of fun, you know. Our, so go, go. Yes. What's the deal? What's the deal? What's the deal? With, I love you. What's the deal with the mood ring? Okay. <laughs> the mood ring that's sort of like the woman with a crystal ball huh that's like sits there uh well it's italia right. if you're horny uh it's you. well no i mean I that would have been something to invent don't you think like oh, the pet yeah. rock 
Right. I could see that. Um, never really got into it. Um, I don't know much about it, Manny. So I don't know. I actually have one on right now, Manny. I have, uh, it started off as a mood ring and, uh, it was my, my aunt Claudine, who was an artist, uh, and moved from new Orleans to uh, Stockton, California. And then, uh, why I, I went huh. uh, to get away from New Orleans to get away from the family. I don't know. She was had she had a complicated history with the family, but she was my godmother, and she sort of raised me in a in a, in a to a great degree. And uh, then when she passed away, they sent her they sent me a, a lot of her artwork. She was a, a great illustrator, painter, just general artist. And one of the things was a mood ring of hers. And, uh, and I put it on and it finally came apart, but I still have the, the, the actual ring part and I wear it on, you know, on my ring finger. It's, Did it's you know that aunt- you have the same size finger as your aunt? Yes. She, she had big hands. Yeah. 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 She, she was a strong okay. woman. Did she have a mustache as well? A little bit of a mustache. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was. She had Did a she have hair on her back? Come and I kiss me, honey. I never saw her like that. Yeah, I never saw her. With, uh, you know, she was. She was not the kind of aunt that would go to the beach in a in a bikini. If you can, Ooh. if you can get my drift, she did not. So I never saw her back. But uh, but you know, <laughs> did the, you not? The, 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 oh, go ahead. Sorry. The, I was going to say that it's. If anyone anywhere would see a piece of your jewelry, they would immediately go, "Oh, that's a go-go. That's that, that's so that's <laughs> Gotta so get a cool." To, well, because you know, people, uh, you know, everyone like yearn or, or strives strives to to find something that's so iconic. You know, like like any Apple computer, you see it. It doesn't matter what age it is. Uh-oh. You can just Uh-oh. see from the from across the room that it's an Apple because it has certain. Curves too. It has certain, you know, That's certain so cool. no, aspects. Tell. Thank you. Well, you're not an <laughs> Apple man, are you? Um, I don't know anything about computers. Right, right, right. You clearly, do you know anything about but, jewelry? You don't wear it. Do you? Right, but right. but the the go-go jewelry has that kind of that kind of well, iconic uh, quality to it. Yeah, it's got a lot of color in it and design too, and. I think the cuff, um, the cuff is so funny. I kind of, I just thought of this the other day. I was like, you know, when you think of when you're um, wearing the bracelet and people here in New Orleans, if you're Italian, if you're any nationality, actually, you talk with your hands, you know, everything. And so I was thinking, well, you know, when a person is looking at this woman with, she raised her hand, it's sort of like a cat. And it's like this little tether, you know, going back right. and forth, back and forth. And so it's like, right. instead of the cat's looking at this thing, oh, what is that? What, 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 you know? So I was like, that's the analogy I could think of it because that's kind of how it is. I don't know, but nice. people are just drawn drawn to it. It's They're very unique. And I never thought it would, I thought I always thought it would be a one-hit wonder kind of thing. And I have people who collect them. It's it's so amazing. I have, and I don't take it for granted. I still get goosebumps when people tell me these crazy stories. Um, and I had this I had this gentleman over Christmas a few years ago who came in, and um, he brought a picture of his wife's collection, and she had ten bracelets. I was like, Good God, I couldn't believe it. Wow. It was it was very sweet, and he said, "Yeah, he's like when my wife's girl and her and her girlfriends go out to dinner, they all go in her, her closet and they put a bracelet on and they go out, which is amazing. It's so sweet, and um, and so he wanted to get her another bracelet, and um, you know, because you can have them in different sizes and different colors and geometric organic, 
I have corsage cuffs, all kinds. And, um, and so he took his time, you know, picking out the perfect bracelet. And that I do love, I love men who come in and they're very patient and they want to pick out the perfect thing for their wives, you know? And, um, and we picked one out after like an hour of going through all the cuffs. And don't, you know, I guess a month later she comes in and we started talking and I was like, wait a minute. I was like, your husband's a doctor, right? I don't know how it got to talk about that. And she's like, yeah. I was like, he came in, told her the story. And she goes, my husband. And I was like, oh, yeah. And I was like, uh-uh, that was not my husband. I was like, well, I think it was. You know, I don't know too many people that have that many bracelets. And she's like, huh. Well, let me, let me tell you. I got that man laid that night. I did. Because she was so surprised that her husband actually took that much time to pick up a cuff, which was really sweet. Are you sure the husband was shopping for her and not somebody oh, else? Oh, I've had that. I've had that. Ooh. I had, yeah. I had a gentleman who came in. And once a month, he'd come in with a different woman. And she looked like you know, a rent, rent a rent a woman for to go out to dinner kind of thing, and then show off. And then show like off. That she a crack whore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, like, you know. Yeah, they're very young. He had to be like in his 70s or late 60s, I guess. And the women were in their 20s, easy. And uh, yeah, they had the high hooker heels and the tight dresses. And you know, he just wanted somebody to accompany him to a, to a, a dinner, you know, a nice dinner. And he wanted to have somebody sure. and entertain, entertain him. Yeah. Right. And so he That's what company. Renee does. Do you, Renee? Uh, or you know, you know if you need me to, sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a very Nowadays, flexible guy, right? you know. Now, yeah, so you know, we're go, 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 go. Yes. Um, if I were to come to your shop, could you get me a, a discount? I do have a special special man discount. Yes, I do. Okay. I do. Trouble I, man I'll discount. You, the trouble, trouble man. One yeah. five. Is that it? Um, <laughs> right. Well, so, so you did have a store on magazine for many years, yeah. but uh, at the beginning of this 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 lockdown, you wisely thought, "Oh, this is not sustainable." I know. Uh, and so, so you closed the shop and you, but you, uh, you founded a great workspace yeah. that you're working out of now, right? I know you guys, it was, it was so sad. Um, I've been showing my jewelry in the contemporary crafts at jazz fest for 16 years. And with that not happening this year, it was, it was devastating. It really was. It was the nail in the coffin for me. Um, I mean, we make that's we make can make some good money at Jazz right. Fest, you know. I mean, a lot of people, a lot of the artists, we depend on that money to get us through, you know, through the year. I know for myself, the summer, the I summer would, is going to be dead. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's like I would give my landlord um, about uh, four months' rent from my Jazz Fest money just to get it out of my hands because I would not right. have a soul walk through my door, you know, in the summertime, and then and then it would start pick back up in October. Um, so with that not happening, I decided, okay, I just, I started talking to business friends and I was like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And, and, um, I was like, I just can't do it. I can't pay $10,000 to get me through November. There's no way. Um, almost that, not that much. And right. so, yeah, so I closed my doors and I found a fabulous studio after looking, um, all over the place for one, you know, it's hard for a jewelry designer because we make a lot of noise, you know, I'm a metal smith, so I do a lot of hammering and things like that. You know, there's lots of art studios for painters and for uh, photographers, anybody that doesn't make crazy noise. Uh, mm -hmm. so, um, so I found a place and it's big enough, let me tell you. I got a living room area, I've got um, a showroom area, I've got area with my benches in the middle, I've got 
I've got storage and it's big enough to where you could roller skate in the, in the inside as well, right in a circle. So it's, it's awesome. Yeah. Lighting. Yeah, so and everybody kept crazy. telling me, you know, they're like, they're like, you don't need a, a space on magazine street anymore. You know, they're like, we'll come to you. And it's an amazing, you know, I've had people call. Um, and like on Saturday, this Saturday, I have three customers coming to buy birthday presents or um, drop off jewelry that needs to be fixed or, or cleaned or whatever. And it's so nice to um, have my customers, you know, keep in touch. And lately I've been having a lot of uh, my customers sending me pictures of them wearing their jewelry. Um, just to like, I guess they, they love, they, you know, they love my jewelry and I miss, I miss seeing people, but um, er, uh, you know, there's a quote, <laughs> you know, I'd say about chatty Kathy doesn't make my jewelry and it's so true. So it was kind of nice to uh, remove myself from the store because I'm getting a lot more done. So, right. so do you have a, a, a website where your people, like the nation, can go check out your jewelry? Well, Manny, I sure do. Um, it's ilovegogojewelry.com. And um, gogojewelry.com was already taken by this woman who is out on St. Simon Island, Gogo Ferguson. And um, she actually makes jewelry out of like um, possip. Possibly. We can get rid of her for you if you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't. We don't want to promote her. Wait, she makes jewelry out of possum penises, like the you know the. Um, oh, okay. The well. bones in the penis. I'm not kidding. Wow. wow. She's dead. <laughs> yeah. Consider so, her dead. Dead to us. Thank you. She's dead. She's dead to us. And so. Uh, yes. <laughs> so what did it, I was like, well, what's second best? I love gogojewelry.com, right? So that's how that came about. I like that. I like that. Yeah. So, well, once you become a brand, you know, you don't need all the looky-loos, uh, you know, just, just taking like up word. your time. <laughs> what, well, looky-loos? Yes. <laughs> looky-loos. Yeah. That's what we say. We have people come in the store. Oh, you can call them. We're like, oh, that's a looky-loo right there. Mm. Mm. You know, yes, we, I get you. Yeah, and you don't need them around, taking up your time. And you know what you else? Know, yeah. You know what else? I call them my energy suckers. They come in and, I, you know, I'll start chatting. I love to talk. I can't help it. And so I'll just start really? talking to people. Right. Shut up. Shocking. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> All right. I'm going to get you after the show. God damn it. No, Chad, uh, my friend Chad Ramey, who works with me, who is a doll. He like after like 15 minutes, he go, go, go. There's something in the back you got to attend to. And they look at me and wink. And then after a few minutes, go, go. I mean it. Get in the back, you know. And so, it, Yeah. It got to be a lot. Okay, they have um, to, being have to there, rescue but, you. Yeah, I miss it. I miss I miss talking to people, but that's okay because I'm getting a lot more done. And so right now, it's just trying to figure out, you know, how am I going to sustain a business? I mean, besides the website and having people come by. Um, so just trying to get. I mean, my website right now is so outdated, and I'm trying to. It's hard. You have to make the jewelry, and then you have to photograph it, and then you have to put it on the website. It's just a cycle, and so I'm always um, trying to do everything I can. I've got a friend who's helping me out make the jewelry, and another friend, Chad, who's trying to do all the website things together and, and talk to the customers. Um, but it's just not enough time in the day, really, <laughs> you know, to make everything. Right. Right. So um, at least I have a few more months till December and just do a big push, you know, for Christmas and things like that. But also, you know, it made me realize I can't put my eggs all in one basket. And that's what I did. I had my store and I had Jazz Fest. I need to diversify is what I need to do. And um, I had my jewelry in this like high end craft gallery. Um, and also I had in like this high end craft magazine as well. 
And I just need to find stores, you know, to put my stuff in. But I kind of like having it as like a little, um, you know, you have to find out about the jewelry or talk to someone about it, you know, kind of keeping it low key. I worked for Mignot Fege one Christmas and I was stuck in a room stringing pearls and in this tiny little room. And, and then when it became a break, a 15 minute break, they rang the bell and we all came out of it, all of our little rooms. You had women who were wearing these white smocks that were polishing her jewelry. And then you had us, the beaters, beating pearls. And I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh, my God, she's ringing a bell. That's just nuts. You know, I was like. It's like some real sweatshop kind of. It was kind a sweatshop. Of, uh, oh, shit. my God. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. you had like 50 people up on the top floor um, working there. And I just, oh, I just, I did not like that situation at all. And then I worked for Thomas Mann for, um, for a few years. And he considers us like as his artisans. And he had like six of us who made his production jewelry. And, mm-hmm. uh. And so I got a taste of a little bit of everything, you know, one of a kind kind of jewelry or production jewelry or limited jewelry. And I definitely decided I did not want to be in a manual fashion situation. I kind of like being in the know, um, you know, but it'd be nice to have a little in the know with a little money in my pocket as well. <laughs> yeah. Sure. I sure, think sure. you should start making jewelry out of mold. Yeah, no, I have to tell you, <laughs> those Petri dishes after like a month or two, but they became gorgeous. I was like, oh, I can make these big like earrings out of them. And, and everybody's like, no, throw that shit away. It, it became really cool. I was going to say, you could, I, I know that you take inspiration from like uh, different sorts of uh, color combinations, but you, you could actually use some of those, uh, those uh, mold blossoms and, uh, you know, cre- create some, some jewelry based on those, those color palettes. I think if I were to wear any kind of jewelry, it uh-huh. would have to be mold. <laughs> I'll, I'll look in my closet and see if I still have, and I'll pass it on to you. I'll you see that. Maybe like a bolo tie, like a yeah. like a we mold make- bolo tie for you, man. I could picture that. <laughs> or you know, what I could do it's like a plastic see through um, container with a mold in the inside mm-hmm. of it. What I could do is Loose I could, yeah, I yeah, could yeah. seal it. Yeah, I could seal it up for you, and then I could cut out Manny in like sterling silver or gold for you, and we'll put that as like an initial necklace on it, and then like a chain around it, so you can have your mold and your initials on it. You know, Manny, right? I don't know. Like wow! That. Wow, that's, that's what do you uh, think? Sounds, you have a one of a kind. Like a, piece. No, I don't know. That sounds like a little too much. You don't have the self confidence to pull that off, Manny. It's a conversation starter, right there. Let me tell you. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Well, you know, one other thing I, I wanted to touch on, which I think is weird, is is uh, you know, a couple of things in your bio. First of all, you're the first guest that that included their height and weight in their bio, and I like it. I, <laughs> I might start using that as a as an opening question. You know, <laughs> so, That's wait, funny. how tall are you? <laughs> how much do you weigh? But we know that you're 115 pounds. You're five foot one. You know, yes. a, we like a, a little slip of a girl. But but the other thing was uh, you mentioned uh, that you're a fan of taxidermy. Yes. Which yes, yes. Uh, I, I, I've always been a fan of that myself. I know Lizzie Carlson's a fan of taxidermy. Yes, she so took a class. Yeah, go ahead. She took a class. Yeah, I saw her the uh, the squirrel that she did herself. Like she found a dead yeah. squirrel and she she uh, you know stuffed him. I guess. So <laughs> so are you a are you a practicing uh, taxidermist or you're mm-hmm. co- more of a collector? I'm more of a collector. I love it. Love it. I don't know. I grew up with taxidermy. My dad was a. Uh, 
was a, um, a fisher and a hunter back in the day in the early 80s. And they had a hunting uh, club in Mississippi. And so in our house, we had deer, we had pheasants. Um, he would go to uh, Montana, he shot an elk. And we had elk rug and we had all kinds of taxidermy around the house. And so when I opened up my store, uh, he had the most beautiful deer that was mounted. Everybody came and sort of like, oh, what a beautiful mount um, of this deer. And it's not a, it's a, it's not a, what is it, 10 buck or 10, I don't know, it has, it has 10, 10 points or something. 10 point, yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah. and so I had that on the wall. And then I started having customers come into my store. And a friend of mine who, um, who worked in New Orleans at a bar, I can't think uh, I think I think the bar. Um, he was leaving town and he was like, you know what? He's like, can you hold on to it so you can have it? I know it's going to go to a good home. And it was a bobcat. Well, I'll stop. It is a bobcat with, um, with a squirrel in its mouth. And it's so mm. beautiful. It's very, that's a conversation starter. And then oh, I yeah. had another friend who went to a landfill and he found this big mountain lion on top of the landfill. And so he comes over to my shop one day and I see him out the, outside the window and he had the mountain lion above his head, like in say anything when he has the boom box up in the air kind of situation. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know? yeah, right. and, and he brought it in. I was like, oh my God, but its ear was fucked up and his tail was kind of fucked up, but his face and his body is just gorgeous. And at that time, I was in a different location. It was a larger store. And so I put it underneath one of my cases. And, um, and so when people would go up and they'd look in the case and they back up and they're like, ah, holy shit. And they'd <laughs> run off. And um, so that was kind it of looked fun. ferocious. It did. Yeah. It looked very scary. Yeah. And then yeah, I, I don't like the idea of killing animals, but I do like the, I the idea of stuffing them once they're dead. You know, yeah. like I, I used to think when I had my first dog, I thought, you know, when you die, I'm going to uh, stuff you. You know, domestic <laughs> animals then, are hard to find, actually. Um, ultimately, but, I didn't do it. It was it would have been too soul crushing for my family to uh, <laughs> to have to to have to look yeah, at poor Edie there stuffed. But uh, it, I mean, who's going to give mind. up their animal? Who's going to give up their you know their animal? I don't know, maybe somebody died and there was nobody to hand it down, like a cat. A friend of mine has a, a cat that's called... I think when you die, Renee, we'll stuff you. I would like that, Manny. I, I would I would really like that. Now, the, the chances of me dying uh -huh. before you are pretty slim, but, but uh, <laughs> you know, it's anything's possible. So, um, well, you, you know, know what, you think I, you're going to outlive me? I, I, I would guess, but, you know, uh, you know, look, here, we can have a pact, Manny. If I die first... You make sure that I get stuffed. If you die first, I'll make sure that you get stuffed, okay? No, I don't want to get stuffed. Well, you I know, want my ashes. I want to be I want to you. I want to be cremated and have my ashes have my ashes spread eagle and fucked, fucked really hard. Your ashes? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, is, is am I the one charged with doing that? I don't know. It's uh No, I don't know. Uh, anyway, I think we got a show, Renee. Well, thank you so much, Gogo. I'm glad we persevered through your initial <laughs> hospitalization, you know, and uh, yes. and uh, you were well worth it. Uh, oh, you're tall. Thank you. Gogo, thank you very much. Oh, thank you, man. You sound fabulous and you're full of energy. I, I, I dig that. <laughs> you can't stand uh, it, huh? <laughs> and we love the the authentic New Orleans accent too. We uh, there's th yeah. those are fast fast disappearing. So thankfully we're, we're we're uh, we're chronicling them here. Okay, well, uh, Troubled Nation, 
you know, Manny is, and Gogo, as we always say in the troubled nation, uh, trouble never ends. But the struggle continues. Good night. Good night.